This podcast episode from Oncology Data Advisor was recorded live at the 2023 American Society of Hematology annual meeting in San Diego. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit oncdata.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and follow us on social media for more exclusive content and interviews from the meeting. Welcome to Oncology Data Advisor. I'm Kira Smith, and today we're here at the ASH Annual Meeting in San Diego, and I'm joined by Dr. Brittany Reagan. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. To start off, would you like to introduce yourself and share a little bit about what you do in your work? Sure. So I'm Dr. Brittany Reagan, and I'm an adult leukemia and transplant specialist in Charlotte, North Carolina. I work at Levine Cancer Institute. Um, and yeah, my focus is in a lot of things, but AML is a passion point of mine. So not only some of the sort of clinical interventions we can do, but a lot of the outcomes-based um, interventions and analyses I like to do as well. Awesome. Um, so today we're talking about your presentation on neighborhood disadvantage associated with inferior overall survival for AML patients treated with standard intensive induction. Um, so for a little bit of background, what are some of the known biologic and socioeconomic factors that contribute to outcome disparities in AML? Sure. So it's a really complex question because there's a lot involved in the outcomes for acute myeloid leukemia. You know, this type of abstract is highlighting some of the sort of socioeconomic factors that are involved with the outcome disparities, but they all sort of play in together. So we know a lot about the biologic factors that influence risk categories for patients. Um, what we just don't know enough about is how social determinants of health and how a person's race or ethnicity can play into outcomes. So it's important to sort of have a background of something that happened at the plenary session in ASH of 2020, December of 2020, Dr. Bhatnagar presented her work on the fact that black patients had an inferior overall survival compared to white patients. Um, and then that was the greatest independent risk factor for poor survival. So that was a really striking abstract. In that same um, ASH, Dr. Arum Khan, who's, I consider, you know, a real expert in this work, she also presented the structural racism as a mediator of outcome disparity in acute myeloid leukemia. Um, and so a lot of our work is really on the shoulders of their work uh, in trying to identify or understand those aspects in our population in Charlotte and in North Carolina. Great. Um, so to speak about the study that uh, you have here, um, why did you decide to focus specifically on the impact of neighborhood disadvantage on survival in AML? So a great question. So to sort of tie into my sort of prior background, um, after we saw the great work that they were doing with the Sierra Alliance data and the great work that they were doing in the Chicago consortium, as I would call it, uh, we wanted to understand our population as well. And at our institution, we were already looking at um, these types of disparities in our lymphoma and myeloma disease cohorts. And interestingly enough, we weren't seeing a lot of racial differences in outcome. So by that point, our institution was a bit more mature and our data was a bit more mature. So we were able to look at you know, the impact of race and ethnicity on outcomes in acute myeloid leukemia. So we actually presented some of this work last year. And at the time, we only had access to census tract data. Um, and what we found last year was that we didn't see that survival difference in patients um, who were black compared to white patients in our AML population. Now, that wasn't a very stratified cohort. That was just all comers to our institution. So this year, we wanted to dive a little deeper. And now we had access to the area deprivation index. Um, and the area deprivation index is something that 
just assesses the socioeconomic factors of a community. So it looks at income, education status, and these are technically theoretical, um, housing quality, um, employment, those factors are all taken together into this area deprivation index. So now we had access to this data. Um, we also had access to the types of therapies our patients received. So we wanted to take a look at that younger population. I mean, we looked at all patients, but we wanted to take a look at that intensive induction-based younger cohort to see, okay, where do we see a difference um, based on neighborhood advantage or disadvantage? And that's kind of how it came to be. Um, of course, there's a whole lot more to learn. Of course. Awesome. Thanks for um, explaining all the, all the background for it. Um, so what did the study show? So we uh, looked at about 380 patients, and this was from a time span from 2015 to 2020. Um, and we actually, this time, eliminated patients who had acute promyelocytic leukemia, because that's a very distinct cohort that I think um, probably behaves differently. So we were looking at the non-APL AML patients. And um, once again, we didn't see a great difference in survival based on ethnic or racial groups, but we did see a significant difference in survival based on neighborhood disadvantage and the ADI. So we saw that patients who had greater neighborhood disadvantage had an inferior survival compared to those who had greater advantage. Um, so that was the most important outcome that we identified, and that's the one that we were expecting to identify. Um, but we took it a bit further. Uh, we have a really unique nurse navigation program, a tremendous one, um, and we've had it for years. And there's AML and leukemia-specific nurse navigators, which help, uh, they touch point with every patient. They identify some of those aspects of the social determinants of health, so transportation, compliance, emotional factors, housing. They assess patients, they meet with patients, they determine what some of the challenges are, and then they create this sort of acuity score, and that determines how often they touch base, some of the interventions that they're able to provide patients. So we were able to include some of the data that they offer us. Um, so that was another layer of our analysis, and one of the things we identified was that for patients of greater disadvantage, the thing that they reported more often than patients of greater advantage was that transportation was a major issue. So transportation is a major issue for all patients, but it seemed to be more so for those with na greater neighborhood disadvantage, which you would think makes sense, but we were able to sort of spell it out clearly. And this is um, irregardless of our nurse navigators giving travel grants and travel assistance. So it's not just about, you know, giving someone a transportation card, it's more than that, right? So those are the things that we're trying to understand better. But the other thing that we also identified was that patients of greater advantage were more likely to go on to stem cell transplant than those of greater disadvantage. So stem cell transplant may be the sort of great leveler of outcomes, right? So we are working to explore that more. It's not just about insurance. Um, the insurance status didn't make a difference in outcomes. So some would think, well, if you don't have insurance, you don't have access to transplant, but it goes beyond that. So ultimately, a big conclusion is that access to transplant plays a big role in survival as well. Absolutely. Um, definitely exciting to hear about the nurse navigation program. Yes. I'm sure that's very unique, especially that it's leukemia specific. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's, you know, it's amazing to see how that plays a role. In, in it's incredibly important to us, um, and other institutions have it as well, but um, I think that it is a potential sort of modifiable intervention that we can potentially offer patients. It's not perfect, but it's a step in the right direction. Okay.
Um, so in light of these results that the study showed about neighborhood disadvantage and access to stem cell transplant, um, what changes are needed to overcome uh, the detrimental impact of these disparities on AML outcomes? Yeah, I think we need to understand them more. So highlighting them and calling them out. So there was an interesting abstract that's being presented um, on Monday, actually, that sort of looks, when we think about racial and ethnic uh, disparities, the one that I highlighted from Dr. Bhatnagara that she presented in December of 2020, there's an abstract that's looking at uh, the Flatiron Health data, so a big database of AML patients. And from the years of, 2000, I think it's 2014 to 2018, they did see that inferior survival for black patients. From 2018 on, that disparity sort of went away or leveled out. So something has changed. And I think part of that change is awareness, right? So awareness is one thing, but also once we can identify factors and even suggested possible factors, we should design interventions. So there should be more interventional sort of prospective trials in this space because these are potentially modifiable risk factors and it's complex, you know, there's policy involved, there's um, potential biologic mechanisms involved. Um, there's a lot of historical structural racism and systemic disadvantage involved. So there's just so much work to be done. But I think we're going to have to be a bit bold and think about using things like nurse navigation, um, things like financial interventions. So uh, I think you spoke with one of my colleagues, Dr. Thomas Knight, Thomas Greg Knight, whose work, uh, he's done prospective interventions for patients with financial toxicity and financial distress where we get financial advisors pro bono who help counsel patients things like that are absolutely going to be required to have an impact here um, but it's a global front it's not just the scientific research it's policy advocacy calling out what we see identifying structural racism um, you know taking out bias, it's, there's a lot of things that are going to be involved in making a difference here and just many years of work ahead. Absolutely, but um, all these all these avenues and these creative ways to approach it, you know, ab absolutely making a difference. Yeah, I will say one other thing that does make me lose sleep at night is all the patients that we don't meet. Um, so when we think about disadvantage, there's likely a huge disadvantaged population who never make it to our door. Um, and how we capture those patients and find them and potentially give them a chance, that's a real passion point and that's going to take a lot of work from a lot of people. So um, I think that that's part of the future of this as well. For sure. Um, so what are your uh, next steps planned for this research? So one piece of the research that's not quite done, um, we had planned up front to not just look at the social determinants of health but also some of the biologic influences. So. There's something called single nucleotide polymorphisms, um, and we know that there are sometimes racial and ethnic differences in these SNPs that could play a role in the metabolism of some of the agents that we use. So there's another great abstract that was presented at this ASH um, looking at the pediatric AML cohort where they used this multi-gene panel, this ACS10, and it allowed them to sort of determine whether a black patient should get a less intensive or a higher intensity regimen to help improve their outcomes. So we would like to find something similar um, by looking at the single nucleotide polymorphisms because if there's a difference in how they're metabolizing drugs that's you know imparting some disparity in outcome or 
you know, anything in that avenue, we, we want to identify it and we want to be able to offer something to help our patient. Um, so that's still to be done. And then, of course, thinking forward and how we can design some prospective interventions for our patients. I think that that's next for us. Uh, and looking forward to working with Dr. Knight and working with some of our WAKE colleagues um, who are just fantastic at population health to find a way forward here. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for um, for talking with us and also for, you know, engaging in this research and helping to, you know, blaze the trail and, and to address these disparities. Yeah. Well, thanks for having us and highlighting our work.